Welcome to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. The fact that you're listening means you're ready to be inspired and empowered to take your life, love, and leadership to the next level. Hello, my friends. It's Matt Morgan. Welcome back to a brand new podcast. Today, we continue our series around getting a framework through a historical and scientific lens around the five major world religions. And this, again, is predicated out of so many of my clients and friends who have said, Matt, can you give me a framework so that I even understand what are the core principles around each major religion? Because I don't know. And it would be fun to have kind of a one-on-one perspective. So that's the heartbeat behind this series. And today, we focus on the religion of Buddhism. Now, what's so cool about Buddhism, you guys, is that it was actually birthed out of the religion of Hinduism. So Hinduism is older. Buddhism has a lot of connections to Hinduism. And so Buddhism, it begins the story at about 560 BC, which again, there's AD and there's BC. This is BC we're talking about. And so about 560 BC, there lives a man named Siddhartha Gautama. He was born into the second class system of Hinduism. If you remember from last week, podcast. Hinduism has multiple different class systems. He was the second class, which is the warrior class. He was a prince, comes from an extremely wealthy family, and Siddhartha Gautama was born during this time where everything was just great in his life. He lived within the palace walls, life was amazing, and then as a teenager and as a young man, he began to venture outside of the walls, and his realities was struck with a stark differentiation between whatever everyone else in the world experienced and what he was experiencing. And it changed his life so much so that it started an entire new religion. And so Buddhism begins with Siddhartha Gautama. He was the original Buddha. Buddha is the person who means the enlightened one or the awakened one. Okay, Gen Z would call it the person who's woke, yo. (laughs) So this is the Buddha. Now, Siddhartha Gautama, when he exits outside of those walls, he finds himself passing four distinct sites that changed everything. The first one is that he found an old man who was crooked and decaying and is toothless and his body was rotting. The second man that he came across was wasting away by disease. And the third one was actually a corpse. The man had died. And then lastly, he found a holy man. And this experience, as he walked outside of the palace walls and saw what most everyone was going through and experiencing, changed his life forever because what he noticed was suffering. And what you need to understand about the core element of Buddhism is that everything has to do with trying to get rid of and alleviate the inevitable suffering that exists in the world. And so as Siddhartha Gautama began to live his life, he started to take what he learned from Hinduism and continue to work through it. Now, what you need to understand that is so different about Buddhism, that is different from the Western mindset, is that Buddhism doesn't even consider themselves to be a world religion, okay? They wouldn't call themselves that. That's not the language they would use. Instead, they would call themselves the middle way, meaning this is a way of life, more than a religion to follow. So there's not like a central text, like a Bible or a Quran, something like that, or a Torah, like the Jewish have. It is rather a collection of writings, sutras, 
sutras and dharmas. There's over 2,000 sutras, which are writings that Siddhartha has written and tried to be able to teach to be able to say, this is the way to be able to live our life. And the goal of Buddhism is to be able to achieve nirvana, which is actually a state of nothingness. What's unique about Buddhism is that it actually does not believe in any deity, okay? Some forms of Buddhism do, but most don't. So a god, a goddess is not even part of their vocabulary. In fact, they're the only religion that doesn't even believe in a soul. And so therefore their perspective around how you live your life is very different. Now, having said that, there are at least two things that Siddhartha Gautama continued to take from Hinduism into Buddhism. The first is this idea of karma, that there is a cause and effect relationship to life, which is why suffering occurs. And as a result of karma, there becomes this wheel of samsara, which is this place where you get stuck into reincarnation. So as you live your life, you will be reincarnated, which again is a Hindu perspective that he continued to take into Buddhism. And so one of the key writings that Siddhartha Gautama wrote that you need to understand that really permeates throughout every main branch of Buddhism is this. Number one, that there is suffering that exists in the world. These are called the Four Noble Truths suffering exists. Number two, it has a cause, right? There's that karma thing. And that cause is desire. And number three, that suffering has an end to it. Like there is an ability for suffering to end. And the end is what we're trying to do is to end desire or attachment. And then number four, there is a way to release ourselves from suffering. And that way is nirvana, which is that state of nothingness. And it is said that Buddha, before he died in 483 BC, he was sitting under a Bodhi tree and he found profound understanding. He became woke. He became enlightened. And there he achieved the release and the experience of nirvana. And his disciples took his work, his teachings, his writings, and they continued to live their life. Now, one of the other main elements that you have to understand about Buddhism across the branches is this idea of the Eightfold Path. The Eightfold Path is this understanding of a morality, a right way to live so that you actually have an opportunity to experience nirvana. And those eight things include, number one is to have a right understanding. Number two, to have a right thought then a right speech, the right action, the right livelihood, the right effort, the right mindfulness, and the right concentration, which is why meditation is so key. Across the spectrums, this is what you'll see within Buddhism. Now, there are three main vehicles, they call it, within Buddhism. The first and 70% of all of Buddhism is this idea or this umbrella called Mahayana Buddhism. Most of Buddhism is about Mahayana Buddhism. The second most popular vehicle of Buddhism is called Theravadan Buddhism, which is very different, and I'll unpack that in a moment. And the third is Vahayana Buddhism, okay? Those are the three main umbrellas. Now, under those umbrellas come other forms like 
Zen Buddhism, like Tibetan Buddhism, like Tantric Buddhism, okay? For our purposes in time, I want to be able to really try to understand and help you realize the key differences between the main two forms of Buddhism, which are Mahayana Buddhism, which again is 70% of the population. That population mostly exists in China, Japan, Singapore, South Korea. Those are some of the main elements. You'll see this finding its infiltration within the Western culture though, because of this idea of compassion, okay, of love, of mindfulness, and of peace. Those are some of the big things of Mahayana Buddhism that Americans in particular are like, I'm down with that, okay? Now, Theravadan Buddhism is where you'll find your monks and your nuns. And Theravadan Buddhism believes that human beings are emancipated by self-effort without supernatural help, okay? But Mahayana Buddhism is different. They say humans are supported by some sort of divine power, the Buddha nature, and that grace of Buddha nature bestowed within all of us. And so the Theravadins, they say, well, the problem is the presence of desire. And Mahayana Buddhism say, no, 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 no. The problem that we exist because of suffering is the presence of selfish desire. And this is key. Now, within all of us, we hear a phrase of someone and then we interpret, right? And they're getting this phrase. They're interpreting Siddhartha Gautama's words when he said the root of suffering is attachment. So if the Theravadins say, well, that attachment is desire of any kind, good or bad. And because of that, we will live our lives as ascetic monks and we will try to detach ourselves from our families, from even the idea of nirvana. And we will meditate and that is how you achieve nirvana is by not even trying to achieve it because you have to detach yourself. But the Mahayana Buddhism say, no, 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 no. It's selfish desire. This is why we need peace and kindness and compassion and mindfulness. And there is many people that can have this, not just monks and nuns, but all of us can experience this. And so for the Mahayana Buddhism, the key virtue is compassion. But for Theravada Buddhism, the key virtues are wisdom and independence and detachment. And so for the Theravada Buddhism, you attain nirvana, which is through this constant commitment that is primarily for monks and nuns. And so the entire religion is aimed toward that end. You'll see people shave their heads. You'll see people wear monastic clothing. You'll see them living out into you know the wilderness. It's because that's how you get to nirvana and stop the cycle of samsara, which is this rebirth process. But for the Mahayana Buddhism, they say, no, 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 religious practice is relevant to the world and therefore to everyone. And so everyone in the household can also achieve nirvana. It can be attained within this realm of samsara because all of us have the Buddha nature with inside of us. And so you'll see some of these elements. Now, one of the big elements that you'll find within Buddhism is this idea or this person they call a bodhisattva. A bodhisattva is a heavenly person who is actually have the ability to achieve nirvana, but instead chooses to continue to come back to earth to help other people achieve it. Within this idea of Tibetan Buddhism, we have the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama is today the 14th Dalai Lama. The current Dalai Lama was born in 1935, and they said the Dalai Lama is like a bodhisattva, one who continues to come back to this earth so that other people may experience nothingness or nirvana. And so that's why you see Tibetan Buddhism in this way. It's why you see the Dalai Lama continue to come back. 
And so the whole idea for Mahayana Buddhism is that Nirvana is more like a heavenly bliss as opposed to just nothingness like the Theravadins, because that sounds a little bit better, right? And so these are very, very core principles within Buddhism. Now, the Siddhartha, he really believed that to be able to end suffering, we also need to be able to live our lives in such a way. And so he prohibited five main things. Number one, killing of living things, which means they're vegetarians. Number two, taking something that is not given to you. Number three, sexual misconduct of any kind. Number four, lying. And number five, the use of drugs and alcohol. Now, that last one, I know some of you are like, and I'm out. <laughs> okay, but this was some of the core dharmas or teachings that he said were pro, you know, helping for wisdom, kindness, patience, generosity, and compassion. Those are the important virtues and living that way helps you experience that end. And so fascinating stuff to look at. Now, there are some core symbols. If you go to, you know, China, if you go to Japan, heck, if you go to a Chinese restaurant, you're going to be able to see some symbols. One of them, a lot of people ask, hey, who's the really fat Buddha guy? Like, is that Siddhartha Gautama? <laughs> it's a great question. The answer is actually no. Siddhartha Gautama was not obese. In fact, when you go to multiple people's homes, you might see different statues and all of them say the Buddha. Mahayana Buddhism believes in multiple Buddhas. Theravada Buddhism only believes in Siddhartha Gautama Buddhas. And so the fat guy who's laughing and super jolly, that is actually a Chinese monk a thousand years ago that they believed who actually achieved nirvana. And so they put that statue in a restaurant or in a home to symbolize good fortune, longevity, and a good life. And so that's really kind of a blessing to be able to give people, which is why they have that fat guy in their home, okay? And so one of the other ones is a lotus flower. And so that lotus flower is one of the core symbols that you'll find really showing this whole element of enlightenment. And so that's that point. And then another one is a wheel. If you go to a person who is a Buddhist home, you'll find this wheel. Well, that's the wheel of samsara. And you'll find eight spokes within that wheel. And that's living the eightfold path to get you out of that reincarnation cycle that never ends. So those are some of the key factors that you'll see within Buddhism. And so you can see why Americans today are really getting into Buddhism, again, not because of a religion per se, but as a way of life, which is how Buddhism wants to have it. There are over 470 million people that would consider themselves to be Buddhist today. People living with mindfulness, compassion, mercy, and the goal of peace. And so there you have it. In a nutshell, that is Buddhism 101. Cheers for now, you guys, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. Subscribe below, share it with your friends, and if you want to take your life, love, or leadership to the next level, check us out online at mattmorgan.com.